Join the conversation at everydaynovelist.com. Submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat. Or find the host at jdsawyeronminds.com or hit him up at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't do it without you. Welcome to The Everyday Novelist. My name is J. Daniel Sawyer, author of nearly 30 books, more than 30 short stories, and numerous articles and scripts and essays, coming to you from up in the crow's nest with my spyglass on this daily voyage through the dicey waters of business, craft, learning, and art in the writing life. Welcome to The Questions, episode 919. Today we hear from Nicole, who asks... What are your thoughts on pro-writing aid? I was able to get a short-term subscription with a bundle of writing courses I bought, but I haven't had a chance to play with it yet. I am currently doing revisions, trying to discipline myself to get through a chapter a week with my goal to be ready for beta readers in December. I'm finding revisions take much longer as I layer in more description. Looking up creative options for describing brown hair seems to take a lot more time than I anticipated. (laughs) All right, so this is a two-part thing. The second part I'll take first. Descriptions, uh, it's one of the tools that you have to get comfortable using as a writer, and it's worth the effort to get good at it. Looking things up as you're going, you know, using your thesaurus, whatnot, it's a good first step. But what you want to do is you want to start immersing yourself in language because you want these things to be in your brain so that you can recombine them at will and make original things and also make literary allusions to other things. Um, The Poetry Corner, which we will be getting back to as soon as I have access to a recording studio again, one of the reasons I started that is because it allows you to immerse yourself in language for its own sake. Um, Reading and listening to poetry is a very good way to do it. uh, Listening to Recording artists who are very innovative and powerful lyrically is a good way to start. There are bands I listen to who I don't like very much, but who write really well. As part of my effort to keep uh, to keep my linguistic hopper hopping, reading books that are outside of the current era is also very useful for this. In any given era, people. Um, Settle on a narrow set of ways that you normally describe things, and we call those cliches. And reading outside the era gives you access to whole other ways of thinking about the things you're describing. Now, a couple of tricks that are really good for description and metaphor construction are category confusion and synesthesia. Um, examples of category confusion are like you assign attitudes to things you're describing. Um, Those attitudes can be um, projected from the main character's point of view, like the main character is feeling frightened, so a um, a foggy street at night with pools of light can be a very creepy place or uh and the sh- so there would be a lot of emphasis on the shadows and lurking things and and monsters under the bed and stuff like that your your language is colored by the attitude of the main character if you're doing projection based descriptions which is a very good way to do things um that same street with a character who's feeling light would feel 
no, nothing actually about the street changes or the weather, but the the character is feeling light and free, so it's going to be more like a fairyland. These wondrous pools of light sparkling in the dimness, you know that kind of thing. Each you know each one a, a you know, like a will o' the wisp, a, a potential that hasn't yet been reached off in the foggy hazy distance. So that kind of emotional projection very very useful and personification is another um, way to do this where you actually treat inanimate objects or semi-animate objects as characters in their own right you know you give the cat judgments you give the protagonist's hair a will of its own you know it's mm-hmm. looking to screw things up um the kind of stuff that we do jokingly every day is really really good fodder for good descriptions mhm now, the other basic trick is synesthesia, um, where you deliberately confuse the senses. Okay, uh, a really, really basic, obvious example is looking at someone, and you say they have soft hair. Well, you don't know that because you haven't touched it. Your mind is creating a synesthetic impression from what you see. It's creating the impression of softness. I, at least, and many people I know, hopefully we all have had that experience of going up to something and expecting it to feel a certain way when we touch it, and then it feels completely different. And it's disturbing. But that's because we do synesthetic projection to prepare our nervous system for the input it's going to get, and then it gets something different. Uh, Same sort of thing if you grab a cup of, if you've got a cup of coffee and a cup of tea, and you like both tea and coffee, and you drink the coffee thinking it's going to be tea, and you spit it out because it's awful, well, it's not because you hate coffee, it's because your nervous system has primed itself to accept the input of tea. Mm. And so you have an emotional reaction to the shock. You can do that in all sorts of subtler ways. Um, uh, Wordsworth, uh, I think it was Wordsworth, while I wandered lonely as a cloud. The clouds aren't lonely. Sometimes they're solitary. Most of the time they're in overcast. But boy, does that paint a real picture of the cloud in the sky on its own, sort of blowing gently across the way. To make things vivid for people, what you want to do is you want to deliberately confuse and compound the sensory inputs they expect so that you can evoke disgust or peace or lust or anger or gentleness or comfort. The accuracy of your physical description is usually less important than the emotional impression it gives to the reader. Now, there are some exceptions to this, like if you're doing crime fiction, or if you're doing something where the voice is very clinical, then you'll want really matter-of-fact descriptions that don't appear to do editorializing. But of course, if you can smuggle editorializing in while appearing clinical, it will make your work that much more punchy and powerful. Mm-hmm. So those are some basic tricks. But my real tip is to immerse yourself in language like you're a drunk in a bar. <laughs> you There are some things you want to go on hedonic overload in order to learn them, and if you're a writer, the, lang- the texture and patter 
and the emotional valence of language is right up at the top with the things you need to go into hedonic overload on. Because that sets it down in your bones, and it increases your available vocabulary, and it makes everything easier. Now to cycle from that back to the Pro Writing Aid. Um, Pro Writing Aid is a grammar checking, quote, writing mentorship platform. I do, I've not used it particularly, but I do not generally think that those things are good for fiction writers, because fiction is not about that kind of communication. Fiction is something different. Fiction is mythopoetic, and it follows different rules. You can get away with what in nonfiction or in a college term paper or in marketing would be atrocious grammar and unclear writing. But you can make the atrocious grammar and unclear writing a thousand times clearer and more vibrant than you could if you were writing, quote, properly. So going down that road, unless you don't have a good basic command of grammar in the first place, and some people don't because it's not taught in schools, and so you may not, you may just not be deeply familiar with how language works. And if that's the case, something like Pro Writing Aid or a basic grammar course, those can be useful because knowing the rules, you're more qualified to break them well. Mm-hmm. But you do not want to treat language as a straitjacket. You're an artist. Language is the paint that you paint with, and your job is to paint outside the lines in a way that attracts attention. I was attention. going to say you should not be um, you, you should not be doing paint by numbers. Yeah, it's not. You, you don't want to be in a coloring book. Yeah, you want to be on a canvas. Um, and sometimes when you're on a canvas, that means that you're ignoring the lines altogether, or you're... What lines? <laughs> or you don't have lines at all, or you're only staying within the lines that you sketch out, which is probably the best analog for writing, because you are setting your reader's expectations by the way that you open your book. And if you open your book, um, a good example from my oeuvre is the first... Clark Lantham mystery, and then she was gone. The first page, actually also the first Suave Rob book, both of those, the first page is so goddamn voicey, it would never pass a grammar check. But it's so goddamn voicey that you know by the end of the first page everything you need to know about these characters. And then over the course, because that can get exhausting, over the course of the books I lay off a little bit and allow the reader a little more breathing room because I can trust them to interpolate what um, had to be given to them up front as the basic way that this character speaks and thinks. But uh, it also gives me the latitude to go hard voice in moments of extremity or when I want to make a real narrative punch. And it works very well. So those would be a couple of mine to check out if you are interested in how I handle this kind of stuff. And if you want to see me use a more classical, formal voice, check out Down From Ten. That's a, that's a much more literary book, and it's written more respectably, shall we say, mm. in terms of grammar and language usage. So um, that's what I got. Thank you very much for the question, Nicole. 
and we'll see you tomorrow. The Everyday Novelist is written by J. Daniel Sawyer and presented by J. Daniel Sawyer and Kitty Nakian and is produced by Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. The text is copyright 2021 J. Daniel Sawyer and the production is copyright 2021 Artistic Whispers Productions Incorporated. This podcast is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives License and all other rights are reserved to their respective owners. Join the conversation. Submit a question, leave a comment, or a creative death threat. Or find me at jdsawyeronminds.com or hit me at feedback at jdsawyer.net. We can't do it without you.